you have the business you want, or is it driving you crazy? A recent survey said 70% of business owners are dissatisfied with some aspect of their business. That's why we created Driving Biz, the number one source of business information. We have the leading experts from around the world as guests each week. So enjoy and love your business. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Fran Tabor, and she grew a business from $20,000 a year to over a million. She now teaches people how to do this, and her goal is to help fellow small business owners not only survive, but thrive. And that motivated her to write a book called Shh, It's a Secret, How to Compete Against Walmart and the Internet. Now, that's very important because when Walmart comes to town, people start shaking in their boots. And the Internet is also a scary thing to compete with. So Fran is here to educate us and entertain us. Welcome, Fran. Hi, thank you very much for having me on. Good. Can you tell me a little bit about the business you ran? We started very small. Now we started in what was a remodeled truck bay that we moved from a three-bedroom house in a town a few miles south of us to this truck bay to which we added hot water so we could take showers. And it was actually a building designed for fixing trucks and had about 600 square feet of retail space. One truck bay we used for supplies, the other truck bay we lived in. And we basically waited on customers, worked during the day, fixed vacuums at night, and thought we were having a good time. And actually, we were. And you you were in a small small appliance repair business. Is that not right? That is true. And that was something that we knew for a fact to be a value to the community. And one of the first secrets of small business survival is know why you are of value to the community. Because that means that you're not just working for money, but when you put in that extra time and effort, you're working for a purpose. And there was a famous book not long ago, The Purpose Driven Life. Well, it could also have been titled The Purpose-Driven Business, because the same rules that determine success in life determines success in small business. And being purpose-driven, we knew we were a benefit to our customers, that we weren't just providing a service that we were getting paid for. We were helping people to be able to stretch their family budget dollars, that when they got an appliance repaired, they had more, as opposed to buying new, They had more money left over to buy new clothes for the kids, school supplies, and even a very necessary family vacation. Being a a home business combination, we were able after dinner to go put in a couple of hours at work, laugh and talk while we were doing so, and then close the door on that, relax and be at home again in one step. Also, being a starting on a small budget, which most small self-employed and small businesses do, by being a home business combination, the time and money we spent maintaining our property, keeping the place painted, helping the community, 
was not divided between two locations. It was in one, one location, which helped the county do better. It was a uh, home business combination is a wonderful lifestyle. It's a benefit to the community. And it is also proven to be associated with even lower crime rates. Okay, I'm going to get in here a little bit. You know, when you first start in, in business, you don't have much money. You don't have enough money to run your bills and pay yourself. At least many small businesses don't. How did you manage that hurdle? Well, that was one advantage to a home business combination that I could have dinner uh, cooking in the oven while I was waiting on customers because I could go check on it between customers. And you also decide what is really important in life and what's really important like for entertainment. And it forces you to make good decisions. And really starting out with limited money is an advantage. I have, in the last 40 years, I've been in business I've seen a lot of businesses come in that obviously had pretty deep pockets and they relied on their big advertising and marketing budgets. And they came in with a big fanfare. And then almost always, a few years later, they just quietly close their doors and leave town. If you have too much money to start a business, when you make a mistake, you can cover up that mistake with money. When you start out, with very little money, and you make a mistake, and you will make mistakes. It's unavoidable. You know it immediately. You feel the pain of it immediately, and you don't make that particular mistake again, at least not too many times. And running a small business is like a child learning to walk. It's when they fall down and go, ouch, that they learn, oh, that doesn't work for walking. This works for walking. Nobody should make an economic decision that does not feel the pain of a wrong decision, or they'll never admit that they made a wrong decision. They'll rationalize it. Well, it didn't quite work, but it would have worked. We're All of us are human. We're all good at rationalizing what we say and do. And really, one of the reasons that we survived for 40 years is that we started on an absolute shoestring. After we put the money down in the building and spent and splurged on things like a hot water heater so we could actually take showers in that building, we had $2,000 for food, advertising, inventory, utility bills, mortgage payments. In other words, we did not have a cushion. We did not have a buffer. And that forced us to learn. And at the time, I thought, oh, it would have been nice to have more money. Today, now that I'm older and wiser, I'm grateful we had no more than that. Yeah, let's break this down a bit more because I think it's important. You know, uh, you write in your book that small businesses can compete with Walmart. How can they? Well, Walmart is such a juggernaut that has so many resources, what can a small business do to compete? The first thing a small business can do to compete is small businesses, by their very nature, are specialty shops. Now, my specialty shop did branch out from repair to a lot of other things, but it did that slowly book book strapping. But being a specialty shop and people had a question about something, I could find the answer to it and share the answer. 
a go to Walmart. And if you see a clerk and you say, well, these two products seem almost the same. What's the difference? And even if you get a really nice clerk who wants to help you, most of the time she'll go, well, we sell more of this one, but I don't know why. I could tell the customer, well, this one is a little bit less money, but people that use this product find out that it takes less work. So if you're willing to work more, you can save money using this one. If you want to get it fast, buy this product. And also, um, you have to look at what Walmart doesn't do. Walmart could care less if something breaks. In fact, they're happier when something breaks. You may have to go in and buy another one. And a small business owner does care if they sell a product that breaks too easily and they worry about uh, fixing it or helping you not have it broken down. That Just because you can have a warranty on something replaced if it breaks doesn't make up for the inconvenience of having to go back to the store and getting another one. But the really biggest advantage as a small business owner can be a specialist and learn everything there is to know about his field. Knowledge is power and knowledge is valuable and people are willing to pay for knowledge. That That is true. And, and the one aspect, as you say, that Walmart does not do well on is service, service, service. They really do not serve people well and do not do well with helping people with service. Absolutely true, because, well, for one thing, people capable and knowledgeable about service are worth more money. And Walmart's business model of very low overhead, uh, they just cannot afford knowledgeable employees. And you're self-employed. You are that knowledgeable employee. Plus, Walmart's training program may sound good on paper, but in reality, it's very challenging for the people working there. That they're often thrown into a situation and going, I don't know what I'm doing here. And if you're in that situation, you're very motivated to learn more. And I think what you were able to do was to compete because you did offer excellent service. We tried our very best to offer excellent service. Uh, one of the things we learned or the hard way is you can't win them all. And if you did make mistakes and, and weren't able to satisfy a customer, if you weren't careful, you let that one customer ruin your whole day as you try to figure out, okay, what I, what could I, should I have done or said differently? And we regularly have customers that thank us for being in business. It's a sad fact of human nature that I can forget the 10 customers said, thank you for helping me. And remember the one customer who said, you're no good. How can you ever stay in business? And it takes a certain amount of willpower to say, okay, I lost that one. Look at the other nine I was that were thrilled with me. And that gives you the emotional energy to keep on giving good service. You don't let the Karens of the world deplete your emotional energy and enthusiasm. And I think that's what is important. You really have to bring enthusiasm 
every day to the job. When you wake up in the morning, you have to be enthusiastic about what you do. It doesn't work that when people ask you, how are you doing? And you say, okay. It doesn't work when you say, I'm just getting by. You know, those things don't power you to the next level. Oh, absolutely. And that's a lesson I learned in spades in 2008. That from 1979 to 2007, I happily and glibly gave the have enthusiasm speech to people and don't let the bad times get you down. Well, in 2008, I had a perfect storm of bad things happen to me. And I hate to admit it, but I went into full pity party mode. Tell me those bad things that happened to you so people can relate to them. Well, in 2007, there was a major economic boom going on. I majorly invested in the business, had 27 busy employees, and undiagnosed cancer. When, because of the cancer, I started sleeping all the time. I even had a cot moved into my office, which I rationalized that I need my power naps. Well, my 15-minute power nap in the afternoon became a two- or three-hour power nap in the afternoon, a two-hour power nap in the morning. And then when the cancer got diagnosed and it operated on, full recovery, thank you. And I woke up and go, wow, this is what I used to feel like. And then I really looked at my books. Okay, this is 2008. A recession hit. It was the worst economic recession I had ever seen in our area. That even driving um, at noon, you used to have to wait for two or three stoplights to get through a stoplight and noon traffic. Suddenly, the streets were as empty at noon as they were at midnight. I went from 27 employees to eight employees. I had uninsured cancer, so I had massive debt from that, which... I had counted for, I'd looked into a health insurance and discovered that, well, if I had a major health expense, it'd be no worse than making major credit card payments at credit cards that I didn't use. So I didn't have health insurance. And so I was prepared there. And then I started really looking at my books. Remember, I've been sleeping more than being awake for the previous couple of years. And I did the most important things, but I trusted my bookkeeper. I'll turn to my bookkeeper and another employee were embezzling from me. I not only had massive medical debt, I had close to $100,000 of embezzlements. So suddenly I had more debt than I had ever had in my life. I this, uh, the, My income had plummeted to what it had been 10, 15 years previously. I was still doing better than a lot of the small businesses, but not compared to what it was the previous year. And then I discovered that my 2 and 3% and 1% credit cards, when they were maxed, went from 15 to 29%. And I called them up and said, I've never had a late payment, never had an underpayment. Why this massive increase in my interest rate? And that's when I discovered that most credit cards... If you actually used them, the rate went up because it was one rate if you didn't need them and another rate if you did. And they assumed if I maxed it out, I needed them. They were right. And so here I had 
over $100,000 in credit card debt at fantastic interest rates, reduced income, and I just had a major pity party. Even driving around town, if I went to a grocery store or anything, I noticed that everybody looked depressed, which is hardly surprising when we had that big of a difference. Oh, and one thing, I did go to the bank after I found out I had the high interest rates and asked if I could just refinance my building. And they said if I would have come in a few weeks sooner, I could have done so instantly. But they had just had new banking law changes to keep the banking crisis from happening again. And the banking law changes helped the big banks that caused the problem and hurt the small banks that were not part of the problem. And I worked with a small bank. So because of my pride, wanting to keep it secret, all the mistakes I had made, I couldn't refinance my building even. And so there I was, feeling miserable, feeling sorry for myself, having a full-blown pity party. And then one day I picked up one of my own books and read that it is always important to find something to be thankful for. And I thought, well, gee, that was easy to say back then. And it was like I could hear a voice in my head saying, you believed that when you wrote it. Why don't you believe it now? Well, it's not true now. And the voice kept asking me, why don't you believe it now? And then I said, it dawned on me. I did believe it now. And so I started to find things to feel thankful for. And that changed my whole outlook. That I still had a lot of things to feel thankful for. Sure, I had two bad Apple employees. They were both gone. I still had eight employees. They are all good, reliable, hardworking employees. I still had a faith I could believe in. I still lived in a good country. I, and then I got thinking when I went downtown how everybody looked miserable. And I suddenly felt inspired, and I went to the shop and said, told everybody, okay, we are going to be an oasis of happiness. And I don't care how gloomy we feel when somebody comes in the door, we are going to make sure they leave smiling no matter what's going on. And it worked. And more and more people came to our shop just because we were one of the few places in town that shared smiles. Okay. Good friend. Fran, we're getting close to the end already, believe it or not. So I need you to tell me a couple of things. This show is called Driving Biz. It helps companies drive their business. What are a couple of key pearls you'd like to teach some of our listeners about driving their business to the next level? First, be thankful for what you have already accomplished Second, do not worry about whatever advantages you think somebody else has, but concentrate on what your value is. Because when you're thankful, you can accurately see your own skills, your own value, your own worth. And when you know that, communicate it. But you, but you cannot honestly communicate what you do not know. So know yourself, know your worth, and know your purpose. That's that's beautiful advice. Now, if you met a younger version of yourself on the street, what would you tell yourself? Your most important business asset or one of your most important business assets is your health. Do not skip 
that annual exam, no matter how good you think you feel. If I had done that, I would have been a lot richer when 2008 started. Yeah, and I think the next best thing is to invest in those around you, your community, your your significant other, those things. Because if you do, those pay dividends over time. Oh, absolutely. Very, very much so. Yeah. You know, I know. uh, All business is finding needs and filling those needs. And that is the first step in investing in community. I know right now marriages are really under a big problem. And there's over uh, 50% that are breaking up right now. And I think with COVID, it is probably high above that. So people have to realize that those business, their lives, their businesses, everything are in trouble because of all that. True. So that's what people need to do. And that's what people need to do to move forward. I think people need to invest in the things that are important in their life and make sure they, they do that every day. This is not a one-time thing. This is an all-time thing. It's something people need to wake up and say, these are the things that are important in my life. These are the things I'm grateful for. These are the things I'm going to concentrate on and then move forward. Isn't that right, Fran? Very much so. Said perfectly. Yeah. Well, tell people a little bit about your book and where they can get a copy of it. Um, It's available on Drafted Digital and on Amazon. And it's actually a series of essays I wrote for a trade organization I belong to that I rewrote so they could be good for any business. And they're about basic business attitude. And the first one is the importance of learning. And this uh, one of the important and it includes directions like how to effectively teach employees to sell because all employees are selling for your business or are not selling business. And a lot of times we think of only our salespeople as being salespeople, but no, everybody associated with your business is selling. So what's the name of your book, Fran? So in case people missed it. It's a secret. How to compete against Walmart and the internet. And it's with four H's. And do you have a website that people can contact you if they'd like to? Uh, just the regular author website. I don't have a, a website as such as yet. What, what about you? Do you go on social media at all? I do go on social media. I've been on numerous other podcasts. And I am available for giving speeches. And I'm an active member of Toastmasters. This was a lot of fun, and I think it worked out really, really well. Thank you very much, and I apologize for the regular, uh, the previous technical difficulty. Uh, you know, that's our old friend when you live in the virtual world, there's technical difficulties. If you don't have technical difficulties, I think the gremlins are asleep that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And ladies and gentlemen, check out my website, Dr. Alan Leica. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N, Leica, L-Y-C-K-A dot com. Because you will get a golden pearl each and every week if you sign up there. And make sure you do, because there's a lot of exciting things coming out this year. And I'm going to be sharing them on this show and other shows that I'm on. But... If you're on that list, you will get easy, quicker access to it because that's where I share a lot of wisdom and stuff before everybody else gets it. Bye for now and have a fantastic day. We hope you enjoyed Driving Biz, where you get the advice of the leading experts of the world. If you want more, you need to join the number one community for business owners, nobull.biz. And for a limited time, you can join at a discounted rate. To learn more, go to nobull.biz.